0: Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you. I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. Today we are kicking off our brand new series that is leading all the way up to Easter. So there's going to be seven weeks that we're in this series and we're calling it Epic, The Greatest Story Ever Told. And so in this series, we're going to be looking at some of the greatest story that, stories that are told throughout the Bible. And we're looking to capture the power and the impact that each one of these stories has and see how it relates to um, the other stories as in God's grand scheme of his uh, great big story. And chances are, if you guys uh, were in church as a child, you've probably heard these stories before in Sunday school. And they're great stories. And we like to tell these stories. We're going to be telling stories in this series like um, we tell them in kids' church all the time, um, like uh, Samson, uh, David, and Goliath talking about Jonah and the big fish, uh, Moses and the Red Sea. Some of y'all are like, wait, I thought he was a whale. Jonah and the whale. It never says it was a whale it's craziest thing, but we 're going to be talking about those stories uh, this this month and next month leading up to Easter and what we 're going to be doing over the next few weeks is we 're going to take these individual stories and seeing how each one of these stories can apply to our lives today because how many of you guys know that the, the, the word of God the Bible is is said to be living and active. It's just not a historical book that we look at for reference from, from the past, but it's actually um, the Word of God that can change your entire life if you let the power captivate you. And so it'll, it has the power to change your entire life just by reading these stories and by trying to apply these principles to our lives. And for most of us, when we, uh, when we look at what our Bible, we see this nice, genuine... Imitation leather. That's funny how they say that, right? Genuine imitation leather-bound, chaptered, tabbed book consisting of just a bunch of different random stories pieced together on these pages, but in reality, and what I hope that you'll um, learn as we go throughout this series, is that each of these stories, if they're not insignificant, that they actually interlock with each other, and that there's a thread that you can trace of God's great story from beginning all the way to the end, and each one of them holds significance in regards to each other. And so when we start to look at God's great story as it relates to us, the the best place to start is really at the beginning, at the beginning. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the story of Adam and Eve. And I got to say, I'm really excited about this title. I I thought of it the other day, and I laughed real hard, and you probably won't laugh at this, but uh, the title of today's message is uh, Sneaky Snakes and Big Mistakes, Sneaky snakes and big mistakes. Now, if you've ever heard this story, the story of Adam and Eve. Um, if you've never heard it, you can find it in the first, the very first book of your Bible, and it's called Genesis. The word Genesis actually means origins or beginnings, and so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but in the in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God created this entire world that we have today in six days, and each one of those days, God focused on creating different things that would contribute to life here on the earth. So the first five days, he created the sky, the sun, the stars, water, land, plant life, uh, birds, sea creatures, and then the Bible says that God saw all of that after the first five days, and he saw that it was good. And then on the sixth day, God created land animals, and then finally God's final creation on the sixth day was mankind. And I think it's worth noting here that God created man last. And I think there's a reason that he created man last, because God didn't create humanity and then try to find us something to do and try to piece together some different things for us to do. In, in fact, I, I believe that God created humanity for a purpose. He gave, he gave us something to do from the moment that he created it. God created every single thing that we would ever need to live and then to thrive, and then he created us. So let me put it like this. Could you imagine if you're going to stay at a hotel... And you check in and the front desk tells you, hey, you're going to have to wait for a little bit longer. You're going to have to wait for some time because um, we're still putting your room together for you. The room's not quite ready for you. And so you're going to have to sit out here. Or even worse, you get up to your room and and then they're, they're still making your bed when you walk in. And they're putting all the things together. They're cleaning your bathroom. They're replacing your toiletries still. And they're doing all that after you've already arrived. But then there's something special about, there's something honoring when you get somewhere and everything's already been prepared for you. It kind of lets you know that we knew you were coming and so we planned for you. And I think there's an honoring factor, there's a a factor of that in why God created all of the things that we would step into before he created us. Because he said, I'm ready for you. Everything that you need to exist and thrive in this life has been provided for you. And it's this it's, and it's ready. So God created everything that mankind needed before He created them. And then on the sixth day, God created a man out of dust, and He named him Adam. And then Adam saw for the or and then God saw Adam, and he and for the first time, He said something is not good. He said it's not good for man to be alone. And so Adam put God put Adam into a deep sleep. He, told, he stole one of his ribs out, put him under anesthesia, stole one of his ribs out, and created a woman named Eve, his, Adam's partner, her, his helpmate, his wife. And then God created this, this garden called Eden. And in Eden, he placed Adam so that he could work and he could take care of this garden. And I promise you I'm getting to the point of this story, but I want to give you some back knowledge because there may be people in here that have never heard this story before. So I don't want to assume that, you've, that you know it. So God created all, in this garden, he created all kinds of trees to grow up in the garden. And then Genesis 2 says that those trees were pleasing to the eye and they were good for food. But then there are also two other trees. Separate from those, that um, God gave Adam the command. This was the first command in all of Scripture. He said, you can eat from any tree in this garden. But don't go over there and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you're going to certainly die. Because God had placed two other trees separate, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, hey, you can have all these... But don't eat from these. And so everything was in in the garden was good. Everything was like real good. You know how I know that? Because Genesis chapter 2 verse 25, uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. What a life. You guys know what I mean? Like, What a life it would be. Anyway, save it for Valentine's Day got it next week so we pick up in Genesis chapter 3 and let's start uh, reading there together in verse 1 through 5 it says this now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made he was a sneaky snake and the serpent represents Satan the devil the enemy of your soul today the serpent was crafty. And the serpent said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you're going to die. It's interesting there that she adds on to the command that God gave her because he said don't eat from it. And now she's saying, well, we can't eat from it and we can't we can't touch it either but also she, she minimizes what the command that God actually gave her was that you can eat from any tree in the garden. They all belong to you just not these. And the serpent said uh, you won't certainly die the serpent said to the woman for God knows that when you eat from it your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. The irony here is that the serpent said if you eat from this tree you're God just knows you're going to be like Him. But the irony here is that Adam and Eve were already created in the image of God. Like the Bible says that when God created Adam and Eve, He created them in His image, so they were already like Him. I wonder how many of us are looking to other sources to provide for us an identity that we already possess. You're looking to that man to make you feel valued, When you're already created as valuable. You're looking to that job to provide for you a purpose. When you were created with a purpose in mind. You're looking for that thing for fulfillment. When you've already been filled full of the goodness of God. When you were given breath. And we're looking in all these other areas. To try to possess an identity that God's already given us. So when the woman saw that the the, the tree the fruit on the tree was good, and it was pleasing to the eye, um, side note, it wasn't an apple. <laughs> crazy to think about. You always have the pictures with, with Eve and Adam eating the apple, but nowhere in, this, in Scripture does it actually say that it was an apple. It could have been any kind of fruit. I don't know. It could have been one of those crazy fruits that you got to chisel out. I don't know what it is. Probably not because she ate it pretty easy. But when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And then she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, thanks a lot, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Obviously the cover oh, I won't go there. But the story tells us, this story tells us what Satan continues to try to do. He continues to work like this in our lives every single time. That the Bible refers to Satan as the father of lies. That all that that he can do, all that the devil can do is, is speak lies into your ear. And that's all he's got. So first, he tries us to get... To doubt God's word. He tries us to get to, um, to doubt what God actually spoke. And then he tries to get us to doubt God's intentions. To doubt God's character. Did God really say? Did he really say that? And, and oh, you, you're not gonna re- you won't really die. God's just trying to stop you from living the life you want to. He's trying to really control you and hem you in and keep you from a life of fun. And that's what he still continues to speak to us today and what's interesting is that many of us picture god this way as god as a god of limitation that telling us what we can't do there's a there's a whole list of things when you become a christian that you just you can't do but but really when we examine the scripture the very first command that god gave wasn't a command of limitation it was a command of liberty he said you can you can eat from any tree in the garden God is a God of freedom. He's not a God of of limitation. He's a God of liberty. He's a God of freedom. He wants to give you true freedom. He doesn't want to hem you in and keep you from the nice things in life. Now this story goes on, and we'll look at at it in a second. But this is, in this moment, when they eat the fruit, it is one of the most significant events that will ever happen. Happen in the history and the future of all of humanity. And it's only second to one, and we get to celebrate that on Easter. And so from the moment that Adam and Eve disobeyed God, humanity fell. We became broken. We we became incomplete. We began to to lack. Our spirit, the life-giving part of us inside of our being, our spirit died. On the moment of disobedience... And so that leads to our first point this morning when we look at this, this story. That number one, our choices have, con- have consequences. Our choices have consequences. You guys know that. I know that. If you've lived any, any time at all, you guys know that the choices that you make have consequences. Adam and Eve chose to eat this fruit. They knew what God had said, but they chose to give in to, for a momentary pleasure. And now because of that choice, we see that there were consequences in Scripture. That God said to them, now women women would suffer pain during childbirth. So if you've ever had a kid and you hated your life, you know who to thank now. Okay, it was not not your husband that you're cussing at. You start cussing out Eve. Okay, it's her fault. Don't sit back there and and, and pretend you didn't say some nasty words. We both know you did. Now. That was one thing. Women would have to suffer pain during childbirth. Uh, Now, also, there would be a lack of unity that exists between men and women. So spouses, if you have a lot of arguments, um, you can thank Adam and Eve. Because there's now there was this disunity that was between them. In fact, the Bible says that Eve would start to desire her husband. And that's not in the kind of good desire. It's like the desire to, to war against. And then also the ground... Because of the decisions, the ground would now not produce food easily. They'd have to, man is now doomed to a, a life of hard work, which is, I hate it. And, and, and humanity now has an expiration date on the earth. That God's original intention was for humanity to live forever, to never die, but then because of this choice, Now they have an expiration date. Now now we, we, we pass from this earth. And then finally, this is really the most devastating consequence, I think, of all that God pronounced on Adam and Eve. That Adam and Eve were then put outside the garden. They were separated from God. Not only physically, but they were separated from God spiritually. Now they can't be in relationship with the one who created them. And they were in close relationship before. It said that in the, in, the, in the cool of the day when the breeze would blow, that God would come and walk with Adam and Eve throughout the garden. And, and because of this choice, now they're separated from him. They're put outside the garden. And, and it says, the Bible says that there, there was an angel that would guard the entrance with a sword. And I don't think I'd want to try him. You, know? you might try him. I don't, I'm not going to. But most people use this and take it as God being angry that God just wants to punish people but truly God's reasoning here was not one of punishment it was one of mercy when God put Adam and Eve outside of the garden in verse 22 God says we can't let them stay here in case they eat from the tree of life and live forever God wasn't punishing them because he was angry he was sparing them Because he cares. Could you imagine Adam and Eve having to live a broken life for all of eternity? To have to live in a place of of torment, of hardship for eternity? It was really merciful that God put them outside of the garden. It wasn't really punishment. God was saving them from an eternity of hard living. And so just like their choices had consequences, our choices have consequences Two, sometimes we have to reap the fruit of bad choices for years to come. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It's just that choices naturally come with consequences. There are things that happen because of the choices that we make. And this isn't something that you don't know. Like most of us have, dumb, have done some really dumb things in life. If you've been here for any time at all, um, you've heard me tell wonderful stories about how dumb I used to be. And, uh, and we all live that way. We've, we've all had dumb, dumb things that we've done throughout life. I used to have a sergeant in the army that said, uh, play stupid games, get stupid prizes. And it was just, it stuck with me. I don't know. It's one of my, it's one of my life mottos now. It's great. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. But our choices. Have consequences, And that's why it's so important for us to really count the cost of our choices, to weigh it out before we make them. Jesus says it like this in Luke chapter 14, verse 31. He says, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? you got to weigh it out. Your decisions that you're making in this life, before you make them, you've got you to gotta weigh them. Are you willing to risk the possibility of a bad outcome for the choice that you might make in a moment of weakness? I know you don't want to make bad choices. I know you don't want to make unwise choices. Sometimes what it takes for us to refuse to make unwise choices is for us to count the cost beforehand. And not really in the moment. That's we talked uh, a little over a month ago about the, the power of a pre-decision, a predetermined decision. That sometimes you have to make the choice before you go in. That I'm gonna stick to my values no matter what I what I face. I'm gonna stick to what my my core character no matter what I come up against, because in the moment we're driven by this emotion. And our emotions are always trying to default to what is not good, to what is not wise, but what is too pleasant and pleasing, what is uh, pleasurable. We make the bad choices. But you know that not all consequences are bad. The, the, the definition of consequence isn't a bad thing. Consequence means that it's just something that happens as a result of an action. Consequences. They're not all bad. You can have good consequences from a good choice. You can choose to take a, a risk and invest a, good, invest a good chunk of money into the stock market. And if you make a good choice, you're going to get a good return. Now, there are choices that I'm willing to make because the potential of return is greater than the risk that's involved. That's talking about relationally. It's talking about financially. It's talking about um, spiritually things. That, that There are some choices that you can make. That you weigh it out and you say, you know what? This this potential of return is much greater than what I'm risking to to put into it. Now, don't make unwise choices hoping for that um, good return. But the question is, what, what tough choices are you willing to make for a good return? What issues are you unwilling to budge on that will return the right consequences? Will you step out of your comfort zone in order to talk to that coworker, to invite him to church, or to talk to him about how Jesus has changed your life? So there's a lot more potential for return than it is the risk of me embarrassing myself. Because really our ego is, is emotionally driven. What choices are you willing to make in order to get a good return in your life? What consequences are you willing to accept by your choices number two our God has a plan our God has a plan now our choices have consequences but our God has a a plan God was not surprised by the choice that Adam and Eve would make it wasn't shocking to him he can see the end from the beginning he knew exactly what was going to happen he's like well why did he put the trees there in the first place we'll talk about later but I'll just tell you Without the trees, they would have no—they'd uh, have no possibility of having a choice. Who would want? Who who out there wants to love a captor? Who wants to love somebody that's you know keeping them captive? Anyway, our God has a plan. He wasn't shocked by the choice that Adam and Eve would make. And and if we read in Genesis chapter three, we see that God uh, before God ever addressed the consequences for the sin of Adam and Eve, He first. Put forth a plan to redeem them, to restore them from their mistakes, to restore them from their sin. This is the type of God that we serve. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 through 15, God says this to the serpent. He says, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat the dust all the days of your life. Then chapter, uh, verse 15. And then I will put enmity between you and the woman, meaning you will now be enemies. I'll put enmity between you and, the, that's women, that's why you don't like snakes. No, I'm just kidding. You all just don't like snakes because they're terrible. That's why. Um, but I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You know, like what does that have to do with God having a plan. This is really interesting. I'm going to teach you a really, really big, fancy word. Okay, this Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, this is called the Proto-Evangelium. Proto-Evangelium. I don't know what it means in English. But, but what it is, is it's the first announcement of the gospel. It's the first proclamation that Jesus is going to come and save mankind from their sin, you're like, I don't, I don't get that. That's a weird, that's a weird way to to write it. God is saying here that He's putting him He's putting, He's making Satan at, to put him as an enemy against Jesus, the offspring that would be coming down the line from Eve. And that that Satan would would strike Jesus' heel, meaning he's gonna wound him. But Jesus is gonna crush his head. So where Satan attempts to take Jesus down, what happens is we'll we'll get all to that on Easter, but but Satan has this plan to where he's gonna to try to kill Jesus. And so he Jesus is hung on a cross and he's killed for the sin of mankind. But what Satan didn't know is that in the process of trying to win a victory over Jesus, he actually defeated himself in the process because the death of Jesus was actually the very thing that set him up for our victory today. So as he struck the heel of Jesus, Jesus' heel crushed his head and this is the first announcement of that in all of scripture. It wouldn't come till thousands of years later. But this is where the very first sin, the very first mistake God already had a redemption plan. In fact, Genesis chapter 13, verse 8 refers to Jesus as the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That means that before the world was even created, God knew it was going to happen, and Jesus had already uh, he'd already decided I'm going to lay my life down. I know what they're I know the choices that they're going to make, the mistakes that that they're going to make. I'm going to give my life up. Man's not even created yet. But I'm gonna go ahead and, and tell you, I'll, I'll pay the sacrifice for the things that they're gonna do wrong. Before the earth was created, Jesus had already agreed to take our punishment for sin. Because, see, Jesus was always God's plan for man's redemption. From the very beginning of time, Jesus was God's plan for man's redemption. And here's the good news for you yeah, you messed up, it was dumb. But God still has a plan to restore your life, to restore your joy, to restore your happiness. And God thinks about his plan more than he thinks about your punishment. Maybe I'm the first pastor that's ever told you that. Maybe you're used to pastors telling you God can't wait to get you, so you better turn to him. God can't wait to make you burn in the lake of fire, and so why don't you just give your lives to him? I'm going to tell you, God thinks about his plan for your restoration more than he thinks about his punishment for your mistake. God isn't waiting for you to mess up. God's waiting for you to lean on him when you do mess up. And then finally, number three, we learn that our mistakes are not the end. Our mistakes are not the end. Here is the good resolution to this story. Adam and Eve were put out of the garden. But they were still the people that God chose to continue his story through. Adam and Eve had children and their children had children. And and when we look at the story of God, this epic that God tells throughout the Bible, this epic that God has written throughout time, we can't tell this story without first telling the story of Adam and Eve. They weren't written out of history. God still had a purpose for their lives. They're still the mother and the father of all humanity. They still raised children and they taught them to follow after God. See, God's story continued because Adam and Eve refused to believe that God was done with them. Even when he put them out of the garden... They to believe that God was finished. You made mistakes. I've made mistakes. You may feel like God has put you out of the garden. You may feel separated from him. But God is not done with you yet. He still has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. If you let him use you. See, there's a beautiful moment that takes place before Adam and Eve have to leave the garden. It's, it, it, this really, truly is one of my favorite places of Scripture. I mean, I like the naked thing too, but this is, this is really good. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Cassie. Um, Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. This is just, it's amazing to me that the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. He made garments of animal skin, and he clothed Adam and Eve. See, Adam and Eve, when they realized what they had done, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. It probably provided no protection, probably a little drafty, you know what I mean? Definitely not the warmest thing in the world. But God saw that, and instead, he clothed them with animal skins. Now there's a lot of spiritual significance to what God did here. That God spilled blood. And he made a sacrifice in order to clothe humanity in what he provided. See what happens is, and as we go throughout this whole series, you're going to see that there's something that the Bible refers to as types and shadows of Jesus. You may think you're the hero of this story. We may look at this Adam and Eve and think they're the main characters. But I want you to know this, is that all throughout the Bible, there's only one hero. Jesus. There's only one hero. He's the only main character of this. And you'll find him somehow in every single story that we can look at. And in this moment, God was foreshadowing the sacrifice that Jesus was going to make for us. But this is an amazing story in the moment. Because Adam and Eve cover themselves with fig leaves but God provided for them something better. He provided for them uh, uh, the skin. To, he, he provided their covering. They tried to cover themselves but He provided what they really needed. See when we try to cover our mistakes it's called Shame. But when we allow God to cover our mistakes, it's called grace. And God had so much grace. You can try to cover yourselves in fig leaves. You can be burdened by the shame of everything that you've ever done. Every time that you look at that fig leaf, every time that you look at the ways that you're trying to cover up the shame and the guilt and the burdens in your life, you're only going to re- be reminded over and over and over of the things that you've done. Or, you can allow God to cover you. You, cannot, you, can, you can let Him take care of you. And then the only thing that you're going to be able to think about is not how bad you messed up, but how far God would go to show you that He loves you. The things that He would sacrifice in order to show you that He loves you That he's not done with you yet. Let God cover it. Let God take it. Don't hold on to this shame anymore. Don't try to cover yourself with this fig leaf anymore because it's not going to work. Let God take it. Give it to him. He wants it. He paid the price for it. Your mistake is not the end. Your mistake is just another opportunity for God to show you how much He loves you. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.